What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo, brought to you by Thin Man Brewery. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. And Taylor, today we're going to dive into the losers of the first round playoff series so far in the NHL. As we all know now, we are on to the second round. Some of those series may be wrapping up very soon. Cough, cough, Florida, Toronto. Hello. Can't wait to talk about that on Monday. But yeah, that might be over by the time where people are listening to this. Mm-mm-mm. But before we get to that and talk about that in our next episode, today we wanted to go back, backtrack a little bit to the teams that were knocked out in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs and talk a little bit about what you and I both feel they need to address going into this offseason, what their futures are going to look like moving forward. So let's get right into it and start off in the Eastern Conference, as you had put it so nicely before we started recording, the Better Coast. And let's start off with the Florida and Boston series. So Boston in an absolute shocker after winning the President's Trophy this year and having the most successful regular season of a team in NHL history, ends up losing in seven games improbably to the Florida Panthers, who now seemingly are right on the doorstep of making it to the Eastern Conference Finals. Boston had, just as we had said before, an incredible season, and they were firing on all cylinders. And they were a team that going into the trade deadline, you and I had talked about it. It didn't feel like they really needed to make that many upgrades because of how complete of a team that they felt at that point. But they still did. They added Dmitry Orlov. They added Tyler Bertuzzi. I mean, they which are a couple of decently substantial additions to the squad. But now, Taylor, the road ahead is a little bit less rosy for the Boston Bruins here as there are question marks now surrounding Patrice Bergeron, David Krejci, you have Jeremy Swayman, who is approaching his RFA status, and you have a bunch of money already tied up in Linus Allmark. An aging roster, you just you obviously were able to lock down David Pasternak, which is huge for them, but Brad Marchand is getting older. Of course, McAvoy and Pasternak, you have a couple of good foundational pieces there, but there's a lot of question marks now with the rest, and it kind of felt like for this Bruins team that this was going to be their big hurrah and should they, you know, go to the cup and win the cup after such a successful season that some of the older guys on the team would be able to ride off into the sunset. But now that is very much not the case. So Taylor, what are your thoughts on the current standing of the Boston Bruins and really what they're going to need to do going into a pretty pivotal summer for them after a major, major disappointing playoff performance? Yeah. So I think it's interesting before the year, this kind of seems like it could be a last dance type situation for the Bruins. And that's not exactly what's going to happen because they did sign David Pasternak to an eight-year extension. But there is a good chance, obviously, that Bergeron and Krejci retire. And Bergeron is also the probable Selkie winner this year. So to say he's still an impactful player is an understatement. So I think if you're looking at a team that won 65 games, uh, much like when you're looking at how many a, a team like the Panthers, who had 125 points last year, I think I said before the year that they were going to have the biggest drop-off points-wise in the East because how could they not? Even though they have Matthew Kachuk, who is objectively better than anyone they had last year, you're just always going to drop off. So the Bruins are going to have your natural, whatever, luck-based drop-off. But let's just be honest. Like, Omar Swayman, that level of goaltending, you're not getting that from them again, even if they are both there next year, which I don't I don't really know if they can do that cap-wise. That would be a very hard thing to maneuver. So you're going to have one of them. They'll probably have a good enough backup, and they'll still be good at defense. So they'll probably still get pretty good goaltending, but not like they had before. So I think you're gonna. I mean, obviously, you're just you're not gonna see that again. Uh, uh, your backup finished fourth in the league in 
say percentage and your your starter be first like that's ridiculous so that's a, even if they're like eighth and save percentage that'd be a good season but that'd be a gigantic drop off and then you're including okay the reigning selkie winner what if he's not there crazy who's solid he's not there and then if you're looking a little bit further than just last year marshawn is in his mid-30s he's not going to be the same guy forever and then you start to really look at like what is this roster beyond that well you have charlie mcavoy who's awesome and you have david pasternak so you'll at least have those guys hampus lindholm underrated still relatively young paid not too bad but there's going to be some point in the future where the Bruins don't have the, the best prospect pool in the world. But a couple of years from now, they'll be paying $4.1 million for Brandon Carlo. That's fine, I guess. They're paying Lindholm $6.5 million through 2029. Uh, McAvoy is at $9.5 million there. And like he's really good, so that's not a bad contract. But eventually, who knows? But they're paying Pavel Zaka a weirdly long time. The, um, they, they still have Jake DeBrusque. For now, we'll see what they do with him. They're also paying Charlie Coyle. <laughs> That's a weird one. Uh, Taylor Hall, who will probably have to step up into a bigger role next year. He signed for a couple more years at $6 million. Uh, and like I said, they'll still have Marchand, even though he's getting older. So it's going to be – I think things are trending down because draft pick-wise, and this is going to be a consistent thing in, uh, in the, the little division we're in now, the Bruins, uh, they gave up a lot of them recently. That is uh, – it's not going to be a strength. Like they traded a couple at the deadline. I'm looking right now. This year they don't have their first, second, or fifth. 2024 they don't have their first, second, third, seventh. Even 2025 they don't have their second or fourth. So we'll see. I think long term they're in a tough spot. But next year is still a year I think where they're going to be very good, and they should probably be all in. Well, and I think looking ahead to the future for them too. There's a lot of questions about the forward group as well because as we're talking about all these retirements a lot of guys heading to UFA, they only have three full-time NHLers under the age of 30 signed beyond next season. Three. And that would be in the form of David Pasternak, Jake DeBrusque, and Pavel Zacha. Everyone else in that forward group is either over the age of 30 or is a pending UFA or RFA in the case of Trent Frederick. So... Boston's in a bit of a, t- uh, a tough spot there. I mean, obviously, again, as we talked about at the top of this, having the foundational pieces of Pasternak and McAvoy on the back end is really solid. You're going to have at least above average goaltending again, seemingly. So there's room for them to build around, but they are going to have to, I feel like, probably start thinking about retooling a little bit in the relatively near future, like within the next couple of years of how this team is going to look like. Are they going to, like Tyler Bertuzzi, for example, 28 years old. He right now, his cap hit is at 2.375. He is obviously going to get a bump up there. Are they going to bring him back? I don't know. I don't know. Fair question. And then, of course, as we said, you have the, I mean, once Bergeron goes, that's going to be a major, major hole for that forward group because he really is the glue so, you know, whether it's like the production, I know that fell off a little bit this year, but the two-way play has remained pristine, like so solid. So Boston is in a very interesting situation. And again, the, the Swayman thing, I think, is just going to be fascinating for how they plan to approach that. You're paying Allmark $5 million for the next two seasons, and then he goes to UFA. Swayman right now, 24 years old, about to be an RFA. He is going to be in line. He, I mean, he's coming out of his ELC right now, so he's going to be in line for a pretty significant pay bump. 
do you want to have 10 million plus tied up in goaltending? I mean, I don't know if Swayman gets up to five, but like he should, he's going to, yeah, like he absolutely should. And he can be a starter in this league. Do you want to have that tied up in those two guys? I don't necessarily know when there are some pretty glaring holes throughout the rest of the roster that you're going to have to be faced with. I mean, on the back end, I think they're at least in a decent spot. You know, you have McAvoy, he signed long-term Lindholm, like we said, assigned long-term 29, obviously Lindholm being 29. I mean, he still has, he's got some gas in the tank still. You have Matt Grzelik, who has been a really solid secondary complimentary guy on the blue line for them. Uh, you know, Brandon Carlo, like you had talked about there. So seemingly you have your top four, you know, locked in if they, I mean, are they going to bring back Dmitry Orlov? Like that's another option that they're going to have to consider as well there to kind of fill out that top four, because he started really, really strong with them and then kind of fell off as the, the season went on and into the postseason. But I don't know. I mean, again, we're talking about a team that next season is probably a playoff is, is going to be a playoff team. I think a lot of that is going to hinge on Bergeron coming back or not. Uh, to a lesser extent, Krejci, but definitely Bergeron is like the key piece there. But Boston's going to have a tough road ahead at some point coming up here. And they, of course, like we said, have the luxury of having a couple of cornerstone pieces. But there's going to be a lot of that roster that's going to need to get filled out. And you have a lot of aging players on that roster who are making pretty decent money right about now. So it will be interesting to see. Should we move on to the next one, Taylor? Yes, sir. And this is another very similar situation. A similar situation, but somehow even less draft picks. And that would be the Tampa Bay Lightning. So Can I move over it real quick? You please go ahead. I, I insist. Their next three years of picks are this year they have a sixth, their own seventh, the Ducks seventh. The next year they have a third, the Blackhawks fourth, the fifth, sixth, and seventh. And then after that, they have everything but their first. So they have no first for the next three years. They have one second, two thirds two-fourths so let's take a look at uh the, the contract situation that they have right now so you have nikita kucherov he's locked up for the foreseeable future through the 26 27 season at 9.5 you have brayden point he's locked up i think believe all the way to 2029 or beyond that maybe even further beyond that those guys are 29 and 27 respectively you have one more year of Steven Stamkos at 8.5 before he becomes a UFA. Anthony Sorelli, they were able to lock up long-term at 6.25, which I think for his value is, is relatively solid. Alex Kalorn, he's going to be coming off the books this year as a UFA, and it's hard to think that they will be able to retain him, but who knows? Stranger things have happened. You got a depth guy in Nick Paul. He's, like, he's getting paid, though, 3.15. I think that's also through that's through 28, 29 as well. Uh, and then, yeah, you have another year of Brandon Hagel at this bargain $1.5 million contract, but you know, then he's going to get a pretty significant pay raise. Ross Colton is in line for a pay raise this coming off season at just 26 years old. He's only making 1.125 right now. And then you have some of your uh, more depth pieces, but one interesting thing that I want your thought on, and I think we could probably agree on this Tanner Janot. So we all know about the trade. Horrific trade. They trade a decently promising prospect in foot along with a first, second, third, and fourth round pick for Tanner Janot. Maybe the worst trade of our lifetimes. Like, it, just indescribably bad. Completely backfired. Was horrible in the playoffs. Got benched. 
he is a pending RFA. Do you qualify? Or do you just say, you know what? We fucked up. Let's not sink ourselves more into this than we need to. I say you move on. Uh, yeah, they can barely afford to do anything else. So I, but I, I, I just don't think you can like face anyone and do that. Like I don't think you can face the media or the fans and be like, ah, never mind. I think you kind of have to qualify them at the very least. And you know, in this league, uh, there's not a lot of offer sheets. A guy, especially for guys like of Tanner Janos level. So I do want to get at something you you mentioned there with all the guys that are up. There are also a lot of guys who aren't up because they have a lot of long term contracts. And yeah. this is an interesting thing. So we just mentioned they have no picks. I'd like to throw on top of that fact, they're a 96-point team this year, not the kind of team they were in the recent past. And a lot of that is because a lot of guys just got a little bit worse. They're missing Ryan McDonough now. But, you know, that's that's something. That's depth. That's gone. They're missing depth. They're missing a bunch of guys. Now. They, don't miss, they don't have Yanni Gord anymore. They don't have Andre Pilat. But anyway, they got 96 points, and there's nothing weird about it. They have no draft picks. Thirdly, listen to this. In the 26-27 season, they already have – $52 million committed to, sorry, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven guys. That does not include Victor Hedman. It doesn't include Stamkos. It doesn't include the guys you mentioned. It oh, includes man. Kucherov and Point, which who knows how they'll be at that point. Uh, it also includes Anthony Sorelli. Uh, weirdly includes, wait, did you say Paul was a free agent? No, Paul is, uh, he's he signed an eight-year deal. Yeah, he signed through 28-29 at 3.15. Yeah, bizarre. And then uh, Sergachev and Chernak. Yeah. And Vasilevsky, obviously. All those guys will be 30-plus by 2026-2027, except for Paul. I don't know how old he is. But all those other guys will be 30 or 30 or older. And you've got to imagine they're going to resign Stamkos and Hedman. Paul's 28, so he's already up there a bit. Oh, okay, so he will be 30 by that season. Mm. So I think what you're going to see with the Lightning, so I should say the elephant in the room is they won two cups and got to two other cups. So they Mission were accomplished. You did as it. much of a dynasty as you can be in this era. And they got to three other conference finals. So you know what? Good for you guys. Great run. It's going to be bad for like at least five years. I think you're going to see similar to what you see with the Sharks, except with fewer picks. So mm-hmm. that's that's an interesting thing. They really went all in. Well, yeah, I think we, we kind of know what's going to happen from here on out. We're also, listen, I'm not going to get ahead of myself here because I do <laughs> think he ends up bouncing back. But if you're a Lightning fan, you got to be almost a little bit worried about how bad Vasilevsky looked in the playoffs. Yeah. Well, you I got to be a little that. bit. Like, I don't think that that's him. I don't think that we're looking at some kind of crazy regression or anything like that. He's 28 years old. So, like, you know. I think you have to take into account the fact that they have had three straight extremely long playoff runs, playing a lot of games deep into May. And that can take a toll. That was after the after the first cup, that was like a big question or the first appearance. That was a that was a big question. It's like, is this gonna catch up to him? And then they do it again, and you're like, okay, like the wear and tear has got to start to show itself at some point or another. And so I think with a longer off season than they're typically used to, that a lot of guys will have the chance to recover a little bit, mainly Vasilevsky. But I would be very worried because he was letting in some ugly, ugly goals in the playoffs. 
Yeah, just look across the state at sometimes what a formerly great Vesna winning yep. goalie looks like once they turn 30 sometimes. That's – uh, see how inconsistent he is. I mean, they're going to they're gonna go to the conference final, but, like, I wouldn't say it's because of uh, Sergei Bavrovsky. Certainly not. It's You could pretty much say it's damn near single-handedly because of Matthew Kachuk. But anyways, anything else on the Lightning before we move on? Nope. New York Islanders time, Taylor. So Islanders, they are without a first-round pick this coming year because of the Bull Horvat trade. They are without their third-round pick for the next two years. And I feel like every time that we talk about the Islanders, it's just they're just a really weird team. So they have Matt Barzell, who is only 25 right now. He's locked up through the 30-31 season. So Barzell is pretty much going to be a lifer there, barring a trade at 9.15 annual salary there. You still have three more seasons of a $7 million Anders Lee. You have, even though, and I should say, you have, well, it's two more years of a $6 million Brock Nelson, which he was solid for them in spite of him being 31. Um, But you have another year of Josh Bailey at 5 million, which has just turned into a a nightmare scenario for them. You got JG Peugeot. He's signed for, he signed through the 26, 27 season at 5 million a year. You have 5 million to Kyle Palmieri for the next two years. You have 8.5 million to Bo Horvat through the 30, 31 season. And he's 28 years old right now. A lot of money tied up there over these next couple of years. It'll get a little bit easier once you're able to get Bailey off the books after next year. Who knows? He could end up finding himself on the move this offseason. Paul Mary, again, I mean, you got two more years there. So it's 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 in uh it's an interesting situation for that forward group. Then on the back end, though, you have Ryan Pollock. He's signed through the 29-30 season at 6.15. You got Adam Pellick who has been a a solid top four guy for them. He's through 28, 29 at 5.75. Noah Dobson, who is the future of that blue line, just 23 years old. He's making four mil right now until he's an RFA in 25, 26. When also fellow RFA Alexander Romanov, his his deal is up. He's making 2.5 over the next couple of years, which is a great value for him. And what a a good young player that he's turned himself into. Um, And that they are a season away from Ilya Sorokin either getting paid or being a UFA. He currently is making $4 million right now, and he's up after the 23-24 season. So they are going to be in a very, very interesting situation when it comes to that net because you have a hard time thinking that they're going to let him walk given what he's meant to that franchise and how consistently solid he has been. I mean, uh, this is what, going to be like the third straight year that he's pretty solidly in the Vesna conversation at least but he's gonna at least get double his salary I mean yeah so he's an interesting one because I think you no doubt pay him 10 million dollars a year though he's played the last couple years Mm -hmm. they can only barely afford to do that which kind of makes me think looking at this that they're just kind of stuck with who they are like I guess you could you could see in the long term some retooling around Barzell and and Horvat to get them to try to be a, maybe a contender around those two guys, which I, that sounds ridiculous even as I'm saying it. Uh, but you have a GM who's kind of impatient and has his way of doing things because he's impatient because he's almost 80 years old or is 80 years old. And, you know, when he's done, he might have his son take over, who's just going to be the same kind of guy. So 
I think the Islanders are not particularly interesting. I think they it, just they're they're kind of stuck with who they are at this point. So as it stands right now, they have 1.3 million roughly in cap space. Coming off the books this year, you have Pierre Engvall, who that's 2.25 coming off the books. And then on the back end, you have Scott Mayfield at 1.45. I don't know if they're going to be able to retain him or not, but he's probably going to get bumped up a little bit in his salary. So maybe they let him walk. But I mean, that puts you at what? Maybe four to five mil in cap space for a team that definitely has its holes. I mean, how do you, if you were an Islanders fan, how would you feel about the prospects of this team moving forward? I would be uh, really praying every night for a Sorokin extension and just hope that, hey, uh, we get like a wild card spot and he just carries us one of these playoff runs. Because I don't really know what else their options are. It's just old, old average guys who are signed way too long and for too much money. It's a bunch of guys that are signed to like, like one million dollars too much. You can't do that too many times, and they did. And then Corvette and Barzell is like your main guys, and like that's that's not a Stanley Cup winning core. I think it's fair to say that the Islanders really have not done a very good job at identifying some of these external acquisitions. I mean, you're picking like Paul Mary, for example, was a fine player with the Devils, and I get the logic behind it, but. Do you really want to be paying him $5 million for the next two seasons? Like, I think it goes without saying that the Bo Horvat trade, like, again, Bo Horvat overall, fine NHL player and the top half of players in the league. Like, he's he's solid. But you traded for him while he was having a career year, and then you ended up giving him 8.5 mil that he's going to be making until he's in his mid-30s. Yeah, And a player like that, I from a longevity standpoint, like you don't know how he's going to look. So I, I think that there's some real, I mean, and I should say like, obviously an argument that goes against that is like the Romanov deal, which I thought was a great deal at the time. But, you know, the, in terms of bringing these guys in, like it hasn't been the best track record. Also, like we're not that far removed from them shipping Devin Tays out. Like this, uh, I don't know. Yeah. I, I think that, like you said, I for the Islanders' sake, they're a team that they're at the very least set up to kind of be in contention for a playoff spot moving forward. But they, I feel like their cup hopes full stop solely hinge on Sorokin going crazy and just dragging them there. Yeah. So across town. Oh, yeah. This is another interesting one. So I don't know if we know what the exact cap room for next year is going to be, but it it's it's about the mid eighties. It's going up finally. Mm-hmm. So the Rangers have about fourteen million in space, but they have seven spots to fill. So you assume Kane and Tarasenko are gone. Mm-hmm. They also have they have to fill the backup goalie spot, and they have two defenseman spots. So one is going to be Keandre Miller. They got to resign him. He's got to get a raise. Alex Lafreniere. Ish. after that playoff run that's not great but you drafted him first overall three years ago so you have to resign him and you have to give him a raise you think and after that him? you still have what's you think that they try and trade him Oof, that'd be an interesting move because do a young another younger higher like promising prospect uh, for like a change of scenery type of thing i shouldn't even say prospect like a younger nhl player with like a who had a good draft pedigree potentially i, I mean 
the old uh, Cody Hodgson for Zach Cassian type thing. Oh, we love it. Oh. But I, really, though, like, think about the opportunity, though, that Laf- – I mean, I'm sorry, but, like, if you're not playing your former first overall pick consistently in your top six, then, like, what are you doing? Yeah. Anyways. It's, uh, it's not great, but this makes me think that is a Kane resigning impossible? I think it's just about – I. I don't think it's going to happen personally. I think that there's probably doubts on both sides now after that. I mean, like maybe Kane takes a discount to to stick around there, but like at what point is it going to be too low of a number for him just in terms of like the value there? I mean, I think that we all know that like Pat Kane is a pitiful defensive player. I still think that if he takes this offseason and gets healthy, maybe there's still some of that point production and power play production there that you can get out of him. But how much do you really want to invest in a 34-year-old forward like that who's coming off of some hip problems? and He's going to be 35 in November. He's going to be 35. He's not really the best skater. Um I mean, he's good on the power play. Well, at least like historic, like he was good on the power play and seemingly should continue to be. But like, is he really like, I don't know. I, I just don't think it really makes sense for the Rangers at all. And you can make a very similar argument for Tarasenko as well. But you have a Kako. I mean, Kako is going to be an RFA after next year for them. Uh, Ryan Lindgren is going to be an RFA after next year for them. Braden Schneider, who is a former first round pick is going to be an RFA after next year. And you are two years away from a 29 to 30 year old Igor Shesterkin being ready to command again, probably double what he's making right now at 5.6 million. Absolutely. And you're also with them, you're looking at is Panarin worse or better than he was last year. Oh, it's a, it's is a worse or better? Is Chris Kreider worse or better than he was last year? I, I mean, obviously <laughs> worse, you know, and look how long they have these guys signed for. Yeah. So I think you better All be thinking the wrong the short side of 30. Absolutely. So before we move on to the Western conference losers, do we want to do a ad real quick? I would love to. All right, folks. Light the lamp during the hockey playoffs with DraftKings Sportsbook. Right now, new customers can make a $5 bet and score $150 in bonus bets instantly. Thursday night's action in the NHL playoffs. Unfortunately, it has not been a very interesting series between the Devils and Hurricanes, so let's turn to the other one Thursday night. The Kraken and Stars, that's a tied series in 2-2. And the Stars are uh, one-and-a-half favorites on the puck line. They're plus 135. That's interesting. They have been playing much better of late. And the over-under for goals is six in that one. I don't know what to think. Uh, Jake Ottinger has not had a particularly strong series, but let me tell you another thing you should look into. I don't have it in front of me right now, but with the idea that I think we all agree with the Stars could win the Stanley Cup, it's time to start thinking about potential Conn Smythe winner, Rupe Hintz. It's, it's a, that would it's be a, that'd be Con Smythe and future Hall of Famer Rupe Hintz, if you wouldn't mind uh, correcting that, please, for the official record. Yeah, sure. Are you starting to come around now? Are you are you starting to to hop on the train? <laughs> train. Yeah, sure. I mean, he really could be the Con Smythe though, because the Stars 
could absolutely still win the cup. And if they do, they're going to, they're obviously going to score. Maybe someone will score more than him. Ottinger has not been good. I thought Ottinger would be the guy that could be the easy consmith guy. Heiskanen has been hurt. He's, he played the other night, but he isn't not 100%. And then it's like, who? Well, then at that point, if there's no compelling defenseman and if your goalie didn't carry you, it goes to like, who's this team's like captain, you know, first line center type guy. And that's not really, they don't have that kind of, like say Crosby level guy. So it's just like who's the leading scorer? Drew Pence. So mm, I don't that. know. Jason Robertson might get hot. Who's to say? Not as hot as as Rupe. Anyway, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with code THPN. New customers can make a five dollar hockey playoff bet and score one hundred fifty dollars in bonus bets instantly. That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call one eight hundred Gambler in Massachusetts. Call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty or visiting Gambling Helpline. Uh, ma.org and you are call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY at 467-369. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700 on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 and over in most eligible states, but age will vary by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for offer details. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. And folks, our next sponsor is Raycom. Let's face it, with coffee starting at $5, even without any customizations, and our bank accounts somehow always depleting, we're officially entering a dupe session. Most products do the same thing, but are priced differently solely based on the brand name. So a good duplicate or dupe is critical for getting the highest quality, the best price. One dupe you definitely shouldn't sleep on is Raycon wireless earbuds. Raycon is premium audio at the perfect price point, so you can start listening to what you want, when you want, without breaking the bank. That means you don't have to spend a million dollars on this. You can spend it on traveling. I might be traveling. The Bills are playing in London this year at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. I might want to go there. Traveling, not the cheapest thing in the world. London, not the cheapest city in the world. Folks, I'm trying to get a pint with the lads. Who knows? Could cost as much as 11 quid. So save your money on your hands. You made up words. <laughs> It's like the the radio and family guy that only gets British news updates. <laughs> I'm not sure about any of that. But Raycon's mission is to prove that you shouldn't have to pay an arm and a leg for quality sound and essential smart tech listening features. You can get a pair and a spare and still pay less than you would with some of those other more big name tech brands out there. Raycon knows that in this economy, every purchase needs to be perfect. They offer buy now, pay later options. Right now, you can pay as low as $18 at checkout. They have an easy and free return guarantee. They offer two years product protection insurance for just a few bucks. They offer free domestic shipping and flat fee international shipping. And they have over 50,000 five-star reviews due to their many tremendous features, such as three customizable sound profiles, earbud tap functions, noise isolation, awareness mode, custom gel tip for the perfect, most comfortable in-ear fit, crystal clear, clear qual quality, water and sweat resistance, and eight hours of playtime in the everyday earbuds. So if you want them, go to buyraycon.com slash THPN today to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash THPN to score 15% off. Buyraycon.com slash THPN. And next we have our good friends at Thin Man Brewery. And boy, do they have a decent amount of stuff going on over there at Thin Man. Multiple beers dropping. And they also announcing a fun event. Let's start with the event. Summer Solstice 2023 on June 17th. Uh, it's their seventh anniversary party. They've been around since 2016. It's going to be beer, bands, booze, block party, Battlestar Galactica. There you go. 
So tickets are now available at thinmanbrewery.com. Uh, you get general admission, you get a commemorative glass, a draft beer ticket, and access to the street festival and the first floor tap room. The VIP level, you get a commemorative glass as well, three draft beer tickets, a food ticket, access to street festival, first and second floor tap rooms, and executive VIP. You still get that glass, open beer, high noons for the Brendans of the world, and well drinks what from up? 12 p.m. to 8 p.m., shots not included. All you can eat Thin Man food from the street festival from 12 to 8 p.m. All access, including second floor patio, second floor patio uh, access will be restricted to those executive VIP people. And you get driven home in Yvonne's Jeep. Personal guarantee. Really? Okay, <laughs> there we go. I He's love gonna it. going to be thrilled to hear that. Say less. Yeah, I'm. I'm. count me in as if I wasn't going to go already now that I know that that's on the line. <laughs> so here's some beers that I look forward to. They have an in-house collaboration called Certified Squid. That's a fruited sour ale, 6.6%. Blueberry and coffee sour. Um, and it's they say it's brewed in celebration of staff legend Sydney, who led their staff through their Cicerone training. That's interesting. Cool. So yeah, it has Ethiopia, Ethiopian kocheri beans, interesting, uh, which are provided by Typico Coffee. So shout out Typico. Check that out. It's available Thursday at both locations, so that should be when you're listening to this today. And Friday, or tomorrow, uh, a brand new seasonal beer. It's called Hefe House. Hefeweizen Ale. It's a 4.8%, so that's nice. Nice lighter drink to have. Double fermented. Notes of banana, orange marmalade, and clove in a manner similar to your favorite DJ spinning three records at once. How about that? How about that uh, copywriting? Dead Man's Instagram. Good for them. Anyway, cool thing they got going on. So you want some new beers this weekend to try? Those are available at both locations. And then, you know, like I said, the summer solstice is June 17th. And tickets are available at thinmanbrewery.com. Anything to add, Brendan? We love Thin Man. Summer solstice is going to be fun. Uh, I have uh, an inside scoop that there's going to be a lot of cool bands playing at it. You will find both of us there. It's going to be great. And make sure you're also coming to Buffalo Sports Trivia Night Part 4 on May 22nd, Monday night, coming up. The weather is permitting. We're going to have the front patio area on the second floor opened up. The last, I mean, everyone has been amazing and has gotten better and better. So make sure that if you are free, you are making a reservation, you're calling ahead, letting them know. Monday, the 22nd, we'll make sure once we get to, you know, the couple of days before we'll really start pushing it and making sure everyone sees it on social media and whatnot. But yeah, exciting times coming up. Love Thin Man, a lot of good uh, shows coming up there too. So at both locations for that matter. So make sure you're following Thin Man on social media. Keep up with all the great stuff that they're, uh, that they're doing and working on. That's right. You have any folks? Yes. The Colorado Avalanche are in trouble. Oh, I feel next. so bad for Gabriel Landeskog. That absolutely sucks. Yeah, weird situation. He missed out for the all of next season for those who missed it, by the way. Gabriel Landeskog yeah. is gone for the 2023 20, 2024 season. It makes me wonder what was going on this year that he didn't have that surgery already. I, he's been out, he hasn't played since the clinching game of the Stanley Cup. Yep. missed every game this season i figured that they were getting some kind of surgery maybe maybe they're trying to diagnose the issue or see if it would get better on its own without surgery or whatever uh but either way it obviously didn't so now he's not gonna he's gonna go like two and a half years without playing a game right 
Just about. Just yeah, that's going to be brutal. Well, and then, and, not to mention the fact that that's their captain. Yeah, uh, they are maybe the most top-heavy team in terms of roster construction in the NHL. Among the forward group, you have Miko Randon. He signed for two more years at uh, at nine point two five. You have McKinnon at 12.6. He signed through the 30-31 season. You have Nishkinen. He signed through 29-30 at 6.125. And then you have Arturi Lekkinen assigned at 4.5. After that, though, you have pending UFAs. JT Confer, Lars Eller, Evan Rodriguez, Andrew Cagliano, Darren Helm, Alex Newhook is an RFA. Matt Nieto is a UFA. Dennis Malign is an RFA. On defense, you have Makar, obviously great having him locked up through 26-27. You have Eric Johnson as a pending UFA, though. Sam Girard, he's uh, also locked up through 26-27 at 5 mil. You have Josh Manson, he's 4.5 through 25-26. Devin Tays, though, is going to be a UFA after next year. And are they going to have money to sign him? I do not know the answer to that one. But Colorado is goo. They are in a tough spot. Brandon, you just mentioned more than half of their roster. As what? You know that? You just in terms of guys that are UFAs and RFAs, you oh, mentioned yeah. more than half their roster. It's that's that is. Joe Sackick right, just let, has let, a busy summer ahead. Step, let, let's take it a step further. Beyond 23, 24, they have eight guys signed beyond next season. Well, eight. nine if you include Georgiev, right? Georgiev is up after uh well okay yeah he's up after 24-25. So okay, so this is a really interesting thing, but given that they don't have to pay Landeskog this year, well they Landeskog won't be on the cap at least. They he'll be paid. Should they try to do like a Taylor Hall type like in Buffalo move, like a one year big uh name guy? I saw somebody this would be absolutely just bananas if this were to actually happen. And I can't remember who it was. It might've been, it might've been one of the bigger guys, but I saw somebody even pose the thought of Colorado going out to get Sidney Crosby because of how good of friends him and McKinnon are, which I don't know the plausibility of that or not, but we're talking about teams in bad spots. Pittsburgh is in a bad spot. Pittsburgh is the things are they're they're on the downward right now yeah and And, i mean they were that bad this year with all three of their big guys being like good well and and exactly and i think the thing with colorado that was the big difference maker for them is that they did not have a legitimate second line center them not having nazim kadri was huge for their forward depth you know, they have the luxury of being able to play Rantanen at center. Um, I know he did quite a bit, actually, uh, over the past couple of years. But having that, because that's the thing, is that you're able to then play Rantanen with McKinnon if you have a, a capable second-line center. They tried Evan Rodriguez. They tried um, JT Com for, for spurts. They tried Lars Eller for spurts. Um, Newhook is 22 years old. He's still coming into his own, but he's, you know, a promising young player, but not having that competent high end second line center, 
I think was the real difference maker for Colorado this year and why they weren't able to get past Seattle, why they just in general regressed a bit, obviously again, like not having Landeskog and, you know, I mean, Georgia was fine for them, but like Kemper was really solid for them last year, but they just like don't have that right now. And I think that that's the splashy move. I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago that like, or that Colorado, I think is in line to do something crazy here. And I trust Joe Sackick that he'll be able to, because he's proven time and time again, that he's one of the best GMs in this league. So. That's true. It's just, he has a much tougher job now than he did before. There'll be a playoff team going forward, probably for a while, but man, it's just last year they like rolled to a cup and it just, it feels like they should be in the midst of a mini dynasty. And like, instead they've been past the second round once. So that's just, it's kind of sad. Who we should, who should we do next? Cause, uh, uh, let's Pacific let's... has three teams left, so we have to go to the central for this, right? Well, we do, why don't why don't we talk about Minnesota next? Because again, like all these teams that lost, like they're good teams, but man, they are in a very peculiar situation. So Minnesota, as we all know, they end up losing in the first round of Dallas in six games. You have Kaprizov at the top of the list here. Kaprizov's making nine mil for the next three seasons coming up, and then he's a UFA. Uh, you've had a, a resurgent Matt Zuccarello making six mil for one more year. You have Eric Sinek. He's signed long-term at a $5.25 million deal, which I think is a, a pretty solid deal for a player of his nature. Uh, but then you have really, I mean, other than maybe Matt. Oh, and you have Boldy. He signed for 7 million through 2930. They just obviously gave him that big deal uh, this year. There's really a not not a lot else going on uh, in, in this forward group. I mean, Felino has one more year at three point one million, but you know, who else are you relying on here? I mean, Hartman didn't have the best year this year. Sam Steele, they were having him play t- top line center for long spurts of this season. You have a ton of money tied up in Jared Spurgeon and Jonas Brodeen. Uh, Spurgeon seven point five. 7.5 through 26.27. Brodeen is through 27.28, making 6 mil. Dumba's about to be a UFA. John Klingberg, who is their in-season acquisition, he is about to be a UFA. Halen Addison really hasn't clicked how they wanted him to. And then you have some question marks in goal there. I mean, they were obviously lucky to have Philip Gustafson, but he's an RFA and he's going to be due for a new contract. So interesting spot that Minnesota is in Taylor talk to me a little bit about how you feel like their future prospects are looking both next year and beyond and how Minnesota fans should be feeling about the status of the team feels like they're just going to be a team that loses in the first round to be honest hard to disagree there and if you want to look at a, a team that's not too dissimilar from last year a team that had their starting goalie uh kind of flame out and have their a, a backup who's not really a big prospect, kind of an older guy that's been around for a while, uh, steer the ship and lead them into the playoffs. That was St. Louis. And you look at how they followed that up this year. So I, I think they're in a precarious situation in that way. And the other thing that kind of is tough with them is Marco Rossi hasn't really panned out, probably at least a little bit due to his health issues. Of course. So of course. I just, I don't think they're in a, a, a terrible spot, but it's just hard for me to see how they get from where they are to being a real Stanley Cup contender which has been the case for them uh, a lot of the time in their history. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 
And their cap situation, not really the best. I mean, this year, obviously, as we're saying this, they were under a million in available cap space at the end of the season. Coming off the books, you have Gustav Nyquist, you have Sunquist, you have Ryan Reeves, uh, Dumba, six million, assuming they don't retain him. And then Klingberg, I know he had some money retained from, uh, I think he was 50% retained when they acquired him from Anaheim. So you got some RFAs coming up. You don't have a, the most amount of cap space right now. Yeah, they, they, they do feel like one of those just like perennial first round exit teams. So if we have nothing else to say on Minnesota, let's do the third and final central team that we're going to be talking about the Winnipeg Jets. Oh boy. You want <clears throat> let, to, let's talk about messes. Okay. Winnipeg, dude. Connor Hellybuck just feels like he just wants to be absolutely gone from there. He's got one year left on his deal. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago, his end of year press conference. He just it felt like he was just ready to be out the door at that point and that he didn't want to be a part of a rebuild, which like understandably so. He's been one of the best goalies in the NHL <clears throat> pretty much the entirety of his professional career. And the time, you know, time is ticking for him to win a cup. And I do not blame him at all for the frustrations that he had aired. When it comes to the rest of the team, you had a, a huge breakout season from Josh Morrissey this year, who he very well, as we were saying that, you know, Rasmus Dahlin could have gotten that third spot for the Norris finalist. Josh Morrissey absolutely had a case as well. You have Nate Schmidt signed at 5.95 mil for the next two seasons, which is a, a little bit much for my liking at 31 years old. Neil Pioink, 5.875. He didn't have the, I think he regret regressed a little bit this year. Um, and then the forward group, what are you going to do about Pierre-Luc Dubois? He is an RFA. There have been obviously rumblings about him having issues there. Are they going to be able to re-sign him? Um, they really don't have a whole lot locked up. I mean, Josh Morrissey is the only player on this team who has signed beyond 25-26. So, yeah, which is, and, and it's an aging team too. I mean, Blake Wheeler, he has one more year left before he is a UFA. Kyle Connor, he's okay. I mean, you still have three years left with him. Obviously, he's been one of the premier wingers in the league. But Shifley only has another year. Ellers only has two more years. You know, Nita Ryder, who's been a solid middle six guy, he only has one more year. Um, you have Adam Lowry, who's been a good, like, third-line center for them, but he really doesn't contribute much for you offensively there. Uh, and then you got just a, a, a bunch of guys in their bottom six that's just kind of like no man's land. For me, looking at this roster, I feel like of all of the teams who are knocked out in the first round, Winnipeg is the one that more than anybody else is in need of, I think, of a rebuild or a retooling. I think that... That's what I was going to say, blow it up. Yeah, I, I think they should blow it up. I think that they should be able to take some of these assets that they have because they don't have to get rid of everybody. Like if you want to keep Kyle Connor around, I mean, he's 26. Like if they could turn this one around in a couple years, like he absolutely could still be a part of the solution. But like Mark Shifley only has one year left at a very favorable 6.125 million. You could probably get a lot for him if you trade him now as compared to waiting. Uh, I mean, Ellers, like, what are you going to do there? He's 27, two years left, six mil. Again, like a really solid underrated winger there. PLD, you have his RFA rights. Like you should be able to get a really good return there. I don't think you have to move on from Josh Morrissey, but he's 28. You have him signed long-term at a, at a pretty good number at that 6.25. 
So, I mean, do you look to move Neil Pioink? Do you look to move Nate Schmidt? What about Brendan Dillon? You have another year of him at 3.9 million. Uh, I mean, he's proven that he could be a, a solid second or third pair guy. It feels like they should just take this opportunity and yeah, like you said, blow it up. I agree. I mean, I think that Hellebuck could get you so much and that that alone could really kickstart a rebuild. Like, I mean, he's 29, I want to say. He's about to be 30, and he's his track record, I know he's – you have a danger zone right there somewhere in your 30s. But if he's good for – he is who he is for three years, he's worth, like, two first-round picks and two decent prospects from whoever trades him. He's going to get a huge haul. And they have other guys. You mentioned Kyle Connor there. Should trade him too. He's going to get a good haul. You have so many guys you can trade because they're basically a team with a bunch of pretty good, pretty interesting guys, uh, a bad coach, and then they're just not quite there, I would say. And then they just their depth is not that great. It's pretty bad. So I think you very bad. Yeah, and I I just think you want to build young when you're in Winnipeg. People don't choose to play there very often, and I don't know. I think at that point, blowing it up is easiest for them. I I agree completely. So let me ask you this from the Sabres perspective is who on that roster would you want them to go after assuming that everybody was on, on the table. With the Sabres. Yeah. Like if, if Winnipeg is having a fire sale, I'd be tempted to say hell of luck. Really? But uh, someone else is going to pay more than the Sabres or hell of luck. So maybe I say Kyle Connor. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know what? Why am I saying? I'm going to say Morrissey. Morrissey. Morrissey you'd say. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, I would say it's it's easily between Morrissey, Kyle Connor, and, and Nikolaj Ellers. I want to, again, be clear, too, because I feel like this is going to be a topic of discussion for us a lot in the upcoming offseason, obviously. If the Sabres were to go out and get, like, a bona fide guy like Connor Hallibuck, I, that has, I have no issues with that when it comes to Devin Levi. Again, like, I am very hopeful that the Sabres don't go into next year with him being the one a and just giving him the keys. I would much rather that they have a plan in place because the thought of them going into next year with UPL and Devin Levi in a one, a one B situation is nightmare fuel. If that goes wrong, you you just have to consider the risks involved. And again, Levi very well could be a unicorn. Maybe he is the goalie that can buck that trend um, like the anti-Carter heart, if you will, but I would much rather just have a safety valve in place there. And then you're allowing Levi to, to get starts when, uh, you know, on a less consistent basis, obviously, but you aren't having to worry about him being worn down with such a hefty workload. And, and in that sense too, assuming he's your one B as compared to him being the one a, I mean, you're not going to play Levi more than like 55 games, which means more than 50 games. I mean, right. Like, yeah. Who do you want in that one B slot than being able to handle that workload? Like I would rather Levi is the one that's handling the reduced workload and you have somebody else than that. Like you're able to lean on a little bit more. Now, granted, I think what ends up happening is they sign somebody that it's more of like a tandem as compared to a guy like Helly Buck, where it's like, he is the outright starter of this team. Um, I think more likely you're going to get a guy who's maybe like a capable starter, but is absolutely somebody that Levi can steal the job away from should he show that he's ready to. 
but man, I, I mean, just seeing people online say that they wouldn't want Connor Hallibuck if he was available. I'm just like, are you fucking crazy? Like this yeah. team was a game away from making the playoffs. And as we've seen in this playoffs, but just generally speaking, it is completely unpredictable. And if you go into the playoffs with a proven elite goalie who has something to prove along with a team that can score at the clip that the Sabres are, are able to and have shown that they're able to, I'm just like who in their right mind would not want to dive into that and, and just jump headfirst at the opportunity to have a guy like Halle Buck. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, he's one of the best goalies in the world. He's a, you know, he's a Vesna winner. I think you absolutely. Yeah. You, you could be talking about a playoff run next year. Like forget just making it like, yeah, that's, that's a, a huge difference maker. Uh, absolutely. All right. So I think we can get on to our final team here, which I would say probably pretty confidently in terms of all the teams eliminated in the first round has the brightest future ahead. And I think has like the least work to do, which is the LA Kings. So LA again, went up against Edmonton in a very, very entertaining series. And I really like the makeup of this LA team. I think they have to figure out what's going on in goal for them. We had talked about it after Helly Buck's press conference that LA feels like the team most poised to go after a guy like Helly Buck, just because they don't really have anybody in the pipeline for them in goal. Who's like particularly blowing you out of the water that they're super psyched about. You have, uh, you know, I mean, Jonas Corpisalo is about to be a UFA. You have one more year of Phoenix Copley at a, a very reasonable $1.5 million cap hit. So if you can fill it, figure out goalie there, LA is a very interesting team. You've had a little bit of a career resurgence with Drew Doughty uh, over this last year or so where he's looked a lot better. Now, am I thrilled about them paying him $11 million through 2026, 2027? No, obviously not. But you have a really solid back end. You have Matt Roy, who has proven to be uh, a more than capable NHL defenseman. Somebody I also should say is a guy that I've seen a lot of uh, Sabres folks have mocked as being a potential fixture on this team next year as a trade target, as he's making 3.15 million for one more year. But we'll see, like, is LA going to be able to re-sign Gavrikov, who they traded for along with Corpy Salo at the deadline? But you have Sean Dursey assigned for another season at 1.7, who I think that's a, a very reasonable cap hit. We'll see what he ends up getting when he's a US, or an RFA, I should say, before the 24-25 season. You committed to Michael Alexander long-term. He's going to be making, starting next year, $4.125 million through 30-31. But you also have Brant Clark, who's going to be coming up through the mix, who is has the potential to be a really solid top-four offensive defenseman for them. Then the, the forward group, I think, is really, really interesting with a bunch of guys that you're kind of hoping are able to be able to hit their potential in the form of obviously Quentin Byfield leading the way. He's going to be an RFA after next year. You also have Arthur Kylev, who has a ton of shooting talent that he's still figuring out how to put it together. He's got one year left. You have a couple of fairly highly touted uh, younger guys in the form of Rasmus Kupari and Gabe Velarde. They are going to be RFAs this year. Um, you just made that huge deal for Kevin Fiala, and now he's signed at 7.875 through 2829. Obviously, that deal, they are already seeing paid dividends and are already getting their money's worth there, which is great. You have Adrian Kempe. He signed for a few more years at 5.5 million, which I think is a, a really solid cap hit. Good depth scoring when it comes to Victor Arvidsson. 
4.25. Same thing with IXL, Alex Alafio. I follow, excuse me, at four mil and Trevor Moore. Again, he's at 4.2 starting next year. So you have some really good middle of the lineup guys. Same thing, Philip Deneau, he's at 5.5. And then you have one more year of Anze Kopitar at 10 million a year. So LA, I think is really interesting because Kopitar is still obviously a, a very capable, you know, scoring presence for them, two-way presence for them. But they got a lot of really nice pieces in the form of guys who are maybe um, fringe top six guys. And I think for LA, if Quentin Byfield is able to put it all together and actually turn into that top line center, they're dangerous, man. They're going to be really good. And I think that they are along with the goaltending acquisition, a little bit similar to the Sabres, where if you're able to get one more piece on that blue line and one more, quality piece in that forward group you got a really really dangerous team there so talk to me about what you think about LA and do you agree that of the teams who have been knocked out in the first round that LA is the most well suited to have success in the immediate and long-term future long-term more so than immediate just because I think Boston could just be still really good next year and with Colorado too we should say also yeah and I guess Tampa even uh, but no, I think LA has, they're decently well set up because a lot of the guys are young. I guess what they really have to figure out is goaltending. Like you said, you have to be serious about it. Like you're not going into next year with Phoenix Copley, Jonas Corposalo, Cal Peterson, obviously. So what are you, what are you going to do next year? And I think Hellebuck is an option, but if they don't get Hellebuck, they really got to do something. Even if they sign Corposalo, you can't place Corposalo in Phoenix Copley and expect to make the playoffs. Really? Like it, it I, I don't know. I I don't I wouldn't trust that at all. But yeah, they they do have a good prospect pool, like you mentioned. And like maybe if they get more out of Byfield going forward, maybe that's something. Maybe they're more buyers because like they have they still have draft capital. They still have like and they still have cap room. So they're they're really moves for them to make. Yeah, they don't have a first this year, but otherwise they are, are pretty set with picks. I mean, they have Pittsburgh's third, so they'll have a second through sixth round pick no seventh that's obviously not that huge of a thing no third next year uh that was with the what trade was that that was the jonathan quick trade where he goes uh with the third for corpy Salo and gavrikov along with the first rounder this year um so yeah they are well positioned man i i like la a lot like a lot and i'm telling you man they they end up being able to pull that hallibuck trade off that's a team that can I, they can compete for the division next year. Oh, absolutely. I would absolutely. say at least. I mean, you know, for sure. we're also not even considering the fact like, God, can you imagine if like Alex Turcotte actually was like living up to his his draft value right now? I mean, that's a top five pick there. You also have like uh younger guys, like I'm trying to think of who else they have. Uh, there's someone else I'm I'm totally missing that's at least like name wise. I mean, Akil Thomas, like he's, you know, he's getting a little older. He's 23 now, going to be 24, but he's in RFA coming up. Um, but yeah, I mean, Brand Clark is really the one that once he gets into the mix, it's going to be really, really uh, exciting times in LA. And they also have Eric Portillo in that too. <laughs> sure they will. Yeah. All right. Wow. Taylor, there we go. The losers of the first round. Do you have any other thoughts you'd like to share before we sign off for the day? Any recommendations? Because I actually do have one. Barry. Folks, you heard a lot about successions last season. 
Barry's last season has been excellent and really interesting. Bill Hader for president. Love that. I'm going to go, unsurprisingly, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. I was, did you see it yet? No, I've not seen it. I'll go with you to see. I was very, very impressed. I I think you can definitively say that that is the best post-Endgame Marvel movie that they've put out. And it was pretty dark, I would say, compared to the other um, other Guardians movies. Very emotional. Great ending, I thought. I think it it, it sets up the future uh, for, for some of that group very well with some interesting storylines. Um, but very like emotionally charged movie. I, I mean, I was, I, I was just very surprised by how emotional it was, but it was just great. Like I really liked it. I don't want to say too much. I know I'm speaking about this like very broadly because I don't want to spoil it because it's only been out a week. Um, but I highly recommend, man, if, if uh, you're a Marvel fan, and you haven't gotten out to go see it yet, definitely do it. It, it is really really well done and i will say the one specific thing i'll say without giving anything else really away i really appreciated how james gunn approached the gamora and peter dynamic after endgame you know as we all know uh you know 2014 or 2015 gamora is in present day after original gamora died in endgame and so they just did a really good job of like approaching that relationship and they didn't do like, Oh, they see each other and just like, everything's great again. And like, you know, even though she doesn't know who he is that they just end up like falling in love, blah, blah, blah. I think they did a really, really good job with how they approached it. So go see guardians of the galaxy volume three. I highly, highly recommend. Um, Who's your random sabers player. We haven't done this in a little bit. Who's your random sabers player of the episode. Uh, John Van Boxmeer. Ooh. Nicely done. All right. I'm going to go with uh, your boy, Patrick Aleem. <laughs> sure. All right, everybody. Well, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Straight Up Sabres presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. Make sure you're checking out both the presenters of this podcast on their respective websites. Whatever streaming platform you're currently using to listen to this episode, make sure you are checking out all of our fellow shows and giving them a nice little follow. And make sure you are following both of the presenters of this podcast on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where you can also find us, Straight Up Sabres. Also, while you are listening to this or after you finish up listening to this episode, go and make sure you are subscribed to us or following us on whatever the platform that you're using uses for that metric. And also leave us a nice little rating or review as we would very, very much appreciate it. Last but not least, we love our sponsors, folks. We love them so much. Make sure you're checking them all out. DraftKings, use that promo code THPN. Raycon, same way. Use that promo code. Take advantage of great deals. And Thin Man, make sure you're following them on social media. You're swinging by both the Elmwood and Chandler Street locations to enjoy their delicious food, delicious drinks, and all of the cool events that they have coming up. We'll be back with a brand new episode on Monday, hopefully talking about a Toronto Maple Leafs sweep, or I should say a Florida Panthers sweep of the Toronto Maple Leafs. So make sure you're sticking around and staying tuned for that. But in the meantime, everybody, have a great rest of your week, a great weekend. This has been Straight Up Sabres.